There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is So What Do You Do All Day, and I'm Jenny Queen, your interviewer, your guide, your chorus, whatever. The next couple of episodes are going to be a fascinating change of pace. I was just going about my business of an evening deep in an internet rabbit hole when I got an email suggesting I might like to talk to the author or maybe even the subject of a new book released by Penguin Australia called Pure Narco. I stopped my prospecting immediately to answer back, uh, yeah, please, and how soon? Because here's the thing. I've been trying to schedule a drug dealer for this show forever. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get a drug dealer to agree to sit down for an interview? (sighs) And now with no effort on my part at all, an honest-to-God narco-traficante, a guy who moved literally hundreds of tons of cocaine for cartels in both Colombia and Mexico and somehow isn't dead or incarcerated has materialized out of thin air. I was so excited. You will have to forgive the fact that Luis Navia is no longer a trafficker in narcotics for the most dangerous cartels in the world. I guess we might have to change our question to, so what did you do all day? But guys, once you've heard this story, I know you're going to forgive me. Because here's the thing. I read this book expecting one thing, and I got something else entirely. It certainly has many of the elements I expected. I mean, it's got, like, cigarette boats and discos and mountains of coke for personal use. It's got wives and mistresses, fast cars. But underneath all that is a morality play. It's something, like, almost Shakespearean or biblical. It's a story about um, fathers and sons and a fundamentally good man in a very, very bad place. So with no more hysteria, let me introduce my guest today, the most fascinating Luis Navia, one-time narco-traficante for practically every cartel you ever or never heard of, and now a consultant for imprisoned narcos around the globe and some drug enforcement folks, too. Hi. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I'm really good. I just had a chat with Jesse and... uh, it was really interesting. I have loved this book really? so much. You are a fascinating human being. I don't know about fascinating, but uh, definitely uh, prone to uh, adventure. And, uh, you know, I love the thrill. Yeah. And it's not the kind of thing you can plan. I, in, in my case, you know, I, if I would have tried to plan it, it wouldn't work. It just happened. It just happened. And it was the first step, which was when I met uh, Bia. Bia, yeah. And then the second, third, fourth, by the time you know it, it 25 years went by, the craziest 25 years. 
And the craziest part about it is that you start feeling that that's normal. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That was totally normal. But I was just mesmerized by the, these guys are characters. Let me yeah. tell you, these guys do not get to where they get, and they do not control thousands of people and amass billions of dollars by being just, you know, idiots. These guys have a style about them, intelligence, they are intense, they are interesting characters. Yeah, and, I never got um, the impression that they were dumb, like, you know, you, you never think they're dumb. They're no, controlling no, 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 no. Um, networks, and if you look at, like, systems overview, they're controlling networks and systems and logistics that are just astonishing, really. They have something that most people lose or most people never have which is that animal instinct. We're all born with it. Some have a better sense of it. Some have, you know, better animal instincts than others. These guys are at the max of the game. And uh, they have an animal instinct. They'll know when they're lying. They know when it's real, when it's not real. They are, have a very strong animal instinct. And that's a very big plus when you're in that kind of survival game. That's one thing that's amazing with these guys. And, for example, even women, you know, these guys aren't the best-looking guys in the world, yet they have a charm, they have an attraction, they have a magnetism, not only with men, and they get mesmerized. That animal instinct is off the wall. And that's something that most people in everyday life, because of the life they need, they lose that. And uh, I'm not only saying an animal instinct towards the bad, but you should always keep a little bit of it for the good, too, because it keeps you real as a person. And uh, these guys take it to the other level. Yeah. Interesting character studies, to say the least. No joke. Well, I mean, and you yourself have a, a pretty good instinct. I, I, I noticed time and time and time again. I mean, you refer to yourself as Mr. Magoo, but nah. <laughs> Mr. Magoo would have been dead a hundred times over. You made very astute character readings very quickly. I mean, I get the feeling you you make friends everywhere you go. You you made yes. people who were very dangerous feel very comfortable and even loved. You know, it was 25 years, and with everybody, I had that click. And maybe I had that click for these guys. I was so different, came from such different backgrounds. Yeah. But they felt so comfortable with me because they really thought I was crazier than they were. <laughs> See, the, the part about being violent, to them, that's not craziness. Right. Anybody can kill anybody. But this son of a bitch comes to us, asks us for 10,000 kilos, like nothing, takes them, delivers them, and just continues living like, like nothing. He's got a wife and a kid, and he comes dressed up in a coat and tie. Yeah. And he's like, he's just like nonchalant about it. And he, he, I mean, he doesn't want to kill anybody. So you didn't even have a gun. He's not. <laughs> yeah. And then he can drink with us. He can, and, he, and he's just like a different character. And they felt at ease with me. Yeah. And it was just, um, you know, year after year after year, it gets to a point where your goodwill goes to such a level that, then, you know, you know, to you, ask, you know, for me, asking for 10,000 kilos is nothing. That's, you know, my, that's what I do. Some people ask for 30 and, you know, some people, my business just grew that way. And uh, 
people in Colombia thought I was totally out of my mind because I'm not Colombian. And here's this guy that's not from, even the Colombians were scared to deal with these people. And I saw these people as just normal human beings running a business. There's one thing that you had to do. You had to be good in business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they liked me because I, I lost very little load. Believe me, if you lose load, there's no making them happy with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, cheering them up and this and that. I was, I was regarded and I was respected because uh, most of my loads made it, a lot of them. That's the thing I had, and that was worked in my favor. And then my nonviolent personality, you know, made them feel, feel right, made them feel at ease. Right. I was really interested in the fact that uh, throughout the book, you talk about um, sort of a, a code of honor. And, and Patricia also talks about, um, your, your ex-wife talks about a code of honor in Colombia, that people don't necessarily understand it, but that there is a very strong code of honor. Um, and and I I grew up in a rural part of America where it's a lot of farmers and uh, it's hard to explain, but there was amongst the older men a very strong code of your word is your bond. It's a, you know, you do not make a promise and not follow up. So some of that actually, oddly enough, made some sense to me. Um, it, it's not the same world, but it's it's the same idea that you you you're honest. Uh, you always do what you say you're going to do. You don't bullshit. Um, and and I noticed there's a lot of that in that world, and and you seemed like you were very comfortable and good at that part of it. Well, that is something that I never understood with people. You know, I'd see people go to these friends of mine and ask them for, for merchandise. And then I'd hear that they killed them. And I said, well, why did they kill him? Well, because um, he didn't pay. He took the money and he did something else and he rolled it over here and he bought his own merchandise and then he sent it and he thought he was going to make it and then pay him back. And he, you know, kind of did some kind of Wall Street swindle with and he, this guy. These guys are not. These guys are not. How can you be so stupid? This man, you know for a fact who he is, what he does, what he will do. Who is so stupid to play with fire in such a way? Yeah. So basically, he died a natural death, natural to the business he was in. I mean, what? I mean, I said, that's crazy. I mean, these people, when you tell them something, you got to understand who you're dealing with. you got to understand the rules. Remember... We don't live by laws. Laws don't apply. We are outlaws. Right. We live by rules. Rules. There's one rule. You don't lie and you don't steal. And you try to definitely, you know, avoid flirting with other people's women. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so, too. Yeah. (laughs) I would think that'd be frowned upon. There's a lot of girls out there. Why would you be so insane to go after this guy's girlfriend? You'd have to be like a, a, a nutcase. Um, there's one thing about me, and they all knew one thing about me. I didn't steal. Yeah. You know, if I lost the load, I'd say. But they knew that that was not me. Yeah. But I was not. And they were crazier than I was because they went along with all. You know, I came up with these wild and crazy routes that nobody thought of. They love that. 
Were they so crazy, the though? Because they were pretty effective, these routes oh, you came uh, up with. For example, uh, one time I said, you know, what about we were figuring out, God, that'd be a good thing to send cactus. And then I bought a cactus. You know those round ornamental cactuses? Yeah. Big... And then I said to myself, I wonder how, how long that cactus lives when you take everything out of it. And I bought one and I brought it home, and that thing lived for like 30 days. And I went and I said, wow. We could take everything out of the cactus, put in a pound, not a kilo, a pound, and then export these cactuses to Europe. And when I said, I came up with this idea, these guys said, these guys do not cactuses. Yeah, who's going to think, you know, these live cactuses, you know. Yeah, because they're live. uh, It looks like they're, yeah. Great route. Problem is, those cactuses don't grow in Mexico. You would think cactuses grow, those cactuses grow in greenhouses in Holland. So we had to import the, the cactuses from Holland, bring them to Belize, you know, work them in there, put the coke in there, and, um. That was the route that I came up with. The thing is, you know, a hurricane came and flooded the place where the cactuses were, and then we had to send the the merchandise to Miami. But it's, Lord. you know, you get creative. I was just looking at like your code of on- your personal code of honesty. Um, you said two things: you don't lie and you don't steal, and it made me smile because my father, who actually works in uh, shipping, he works in trucking. He reminds me of your dad, actually. Anyway, my dad said two things to me, and he said it often. He was like, you can't lie because then you're a liar, and you can't steal because then you're a thief. Uh, And I say it to my son all the time. He's nine. But (laughs) it fascinates me that those two things that were so important to him are the same values that kind of run in the drug business or the cartels. It's interesting. And that's why I tell Jesse, Jesse, our business was illegal, but it was honest, I mean, amongst ourselves. And, uh, you know, that's why I hate so much these people that are involved in legal businesses that are dishonest. And I always tell Jesse, the worst of the worst is a politician because he steals from the, the, the citizens' trust, the citizens who need his help. He's stealing their trust. Politicians are the worst of the worst. You know, in, in our world, we were very, um, you know, we weren't the best. We, you know, we weren't very highly regarded by society, but we kept a certain code of honor that you don't feel, you don't lie. And if you do, you pay for it immediately. Very, 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 very high consequences. <laughs> no, there, there was a scene where um, we were having lunch, and then uh, my friend, Told me, come. I want. I want you to. Sh- I want to show you something. They were waterboarding somebody, and I told them, uh, "Listen, this isn't my thing. This isn't really my thing. I don't need to see this. This isn't my thing." And I, but I asked the guy, "What did he do?" And I thought this guy must have stolen a thousand kilos or something because he stole cattle. I go, "What?" Yeah, we caught him stealing cattle. And sure enough, it just waterboarded him. I, you know, I really didn't want to hang out. I kind of just backed away. But I, I know they put him in the truck. They put two bullets in his head and drove him away for stealing cattle. Jesus. Okay. Well, and, and they so, wanted you to see that, though, right? Because they wanted to make sure that you understood when you're doing business with them. Was that the deal? Not really. They just kind of wanted uh They knew I didn't like that. They kind of wanted to, you know, nick me a bit, you know. Yeah. That's a very uh, odd way of sort of razzing you, but I, 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 yeah, it's a different world. Yeah. 
We had a good relationship. I had a good friendship with these people. Believe it or not, I had a good friendship. It was, uh, they treated me very different than they treated most people because they saw me as different and they knew I was different. Yeah. And they knew I was innocent. They knew I was innocent. Yeah. They knew I didn't like none of They knew I was just a smuggler, you know, and I loved what I did. I was crazy. I, they said, man, you're crazier than we are. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I was thinking about but, um, the smuggling. Um, and you say several times that greed was your main motivator. But you came up with some really wild routes. You came up with some really creative ideas. And, and again, thinking about my dad, he's never cared much. about. He made some money, but he never cared very much about money. Um, and he lost some money and he made some money. He doesn't care about money. He loves the challenge of the, the roots, the hubs, the whatever, the easiest way, you know, the best way to get something from here to there. I don't know. There's like there's something about the puzzle in his you know, head that he likes. And I thought maybe you enjoyed funny. that. It's funny you touch on that because for, for years now I've been telling Jesse, greed, greed, greed. I was in it for the money, in it for the money. And I have it written right here. And I was thinking about it. Actually, my thing, when it really came down to it, was the money. But I already had money. It was the thrill yeah. of getting away with it. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> the score, five, the, to get that phone call, we scored 3,000 kilos into the Louisiana Bayou. You got a bunch of people you can't even understand because they're speaking a dialect of American French. And it's just the thrill of thinking, man, we scored. We ended that American Coast Guard, DEA, CIA, boom, <laughs> and they couldn't stop us. And we just boom, boom, boom. That thrill. Every time we used to hit that lighthouse right outside of Tampa, and boom, boom, boom. But law enforcement didn't even know what it was. When they found out what it was, they called it the Coke machine. Because it was a Coke machine. <laughs> we hit it, and we hit it. And the thrill was unexplainable to get away with it, to get away with that kind of That's stuff. That's an adrenaline thing, right? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a trip. It's getting away with it and doing something that most people don't do. Yeah. You are definitely a strange element in society, that you're doing something that's just off the wall. Okay. Well, and something else I wanted to ask you about is, about how you got into this whole scene in the first place. Like, it's one thing to go from, like, dealing a little bit in college or whatever. But it feels to me like you didn't fully make an informed choice to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a, a, a narco-traficante. You, you went and, and fell in love. Well, not even in love. You fell in lust with this woman. And she was glamorous and incredible. And, you know, you walked out of a party with her and spent time with her for days and days. And... And you didn't know what she did. And then suddenly you're out in San Francisco with her and she tells you what she does. But you've already got like these suits and all this great experience, champagne, partying. And then you make friends with Polly, who's terrifying to everyone else, but he's your buddy. And, you know, you're 23 years old. Your, your, your brain's not even fully formed yet when you're 23, according to the scientists now. You're going to be 25 or something. Um, and, and you're not making choices. You're just having a good time. And then suddenly, bang, you're in with the Medellin cartel. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, the choice that I made was that, and I told Thea, the first time I saw money was $6.5 million. So I said to myself, you know, at that time, 
I didn't know what I was doing with my life, but I definitely knew I wanted to get involved in some kind of business. I made money. I was in the insurance business. My dad had the sugar business. So that's something that, you know, has an effect on me. Six and a half million is six and a half million. So I said, okay, wait a minute. We have to think about this. Remember, first time I ever heard rock and roll music and heard the Beatles, I wasn't really impressed by their music. I was impressed by the fact that they were 18 years old, 20 years old, and they were millionaires. That's what impressed me. Young kids, 20 years old, millionaires. The music's great. Yeah, I want to hold your hand. I saw her standing there. But these dudes had millions of dollars, and that's what impressed me. And that's why when she told me what she did, and she says, do you want to stay in? And I said, shit, this is better than rock and roll. Yes, I'm in. And I was in because now if I would have had to go deal grams on a street corner and make $2,000, I'm selling insurance. Yeah. Six and a half million. I said, this is a great business. And sure enough, by the time I was 27, I had five, seven, eight million dollars. Yeah. I parlayed it. I bought the sugar land. I was always, I had a legal business mind also. And that was a great way to parlay your legal businesses without having to depend on money from banks. I was going to say, you, were, you weren't just moving money via your legal businesses at the time? I didn't need a bank. I yeah. was the bank. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're always committed to the next deal. And boom, before you know it, 25 years went by. Yeah. I was thinking also, did you have a choice, really, to retire? People keep, the two guys you mentioned who wanted to retire, they they wanted to go to Paris. They both got killed. That's different. You know, they had problems. They had problems. One of them had problems with Pablo, and the other one had problems because he was parlaying merchandise, sending merchandise, and then saying it was his and then paying back, doing okay. that number. Okay. But um, those, but you can retire. I know people that have retired. I know people that are retired. They have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in retired. Okay. No problem. But do you struggle ever with some of them? Like the worst thing that I, for, the thing that I struggled the most with in the book, the thing that took my breath away. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Was in the beginning, there was that whole thing in um, God. It was on the on the Venezuela Guiana like border, where you were dropping things at the riverhead, and the indigenous people were kind of nosing around. And the order came down, not for you, but for someone within the supply chain to kill the indigenous people. And that is, I have. I mean, you That's said it not- hurt. It, it hurt your soul, but it's a horrific yeah. thing. It's a horrific thing, and all you can say is, that's not me, and this piece of shit person's going to pay for it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. And that's just, look, I paid a lot of bills for a lot of guys who I knew possibly could have taken the merchandise, possibly not, but I didn't want them to go out and kill them. And I figured, you know what? This guy maybe tried to pull a fast one and he stole a million eight, 
but he's still okay, and he thinks he's smarter than the average bear. But you know what? He's good for another seven or eight trips. Not a million eight, I'll make it up in the next trip. Let's pay the million eight. Let me not play hardball. Let me act yeah. stupid. Let me act, yeah, okay, I'll cover it. But I kept working with the guy. But yeah. see, there was no killing involved and none of that. And you got yourself out of some really horrendous situations over and over again by being disarmingly honest. Um, I love the, the part where you're kind of you're coming through one of the passport thing. Maybe it's Mexico. I'm not entirely sure. And you don't have you've you've been through kind of a trauma in Cuba, and you and you didn't grab the right passport this one time. And yeah, it's Mexico, and you realize you're not going to be able to fake um, to a Mexican that you're Mexican, and and instead of Instead of trying to like just lie your way, you lie your way through it. You're like, yeah, no, you know what? I'm not actually Mexican. I love the fact that like you didn't, you didn't lie. You just were like, okay, fine. This is what's going on. <laughs> it was See, smart. I, I told the guy something that's so off the wall that the guy was just this. This bullshit is just so off the wall that this is just too much. How can this guy even say that? And I said, no, I can, you don't understand, officer. I have this fake passport for commercial reasons. And the guy goes, what? I've heard it all. Commercial reasons. What does that exactly mean? You see, I'm the owner of Café Coba, a coffee company here in Mexico. But I'm Colombian. And I can't afford to wait for a visa every time I travel. So for commercial reasons, I have this passport. Oh, so you're the, and it's true. I did own that company. It was true. So when the guy tells me, okay, we're going to settle this at 10,000 pesos, I, I thought $10,000. And when he came, <laughs> he actually came to Cafe Coba. He couldn't believe when I gave him $10,000. was off the wall. I laughed at that part. Just like when I told Metro, you know, you know, he was going to throw me into this pit of alligators, <laughs> the crocodile. The crocodile thing, I think the chapter is called. And he says, I'm being honest. I'm not here under the radar. How how could I be under the radar when I just lost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a pool game with with your your buddy Keith last night? Because that's the most that's the most bullshit I've ever heard in my life. He lost two hundred and fifty thousand. Ridiculous. And sure enough, he called the and he looked at me and he said, "Man, that's the most craziest situation I've ever heard. You are one crazy <laughs> son of a bitch." He couldn't believe it. So it's. Off the wall shit that it's true. Yeah. That's why Jesse Fink says, you know, it's, it's crazier than in, than nonfiction. It, it, it's pretty crazy. I was playing with fire and I, it was just, I, I, if I had to do it all over again, I couldn't do it. I mean, this is, you can't plan this. Mm-mm. My biggest crime was not quitting, not getting out the day my daughter was born. Yeah. Yeah. That's my biggest crime. When you have kids, you should not be involved in this, especially when you have money. And I just made that mistake. I never thought about it. I thought it was so normal. Yeah, but that, that's, that's a bit of Stockholm oh. syndrome, as you say later on. There's you were you were in this bizarre life, but it was normalized for you. I, I do agree with you. I think you actually probably should have gotten now yep. when your daughter was born, but or maybe even before I think that. About but that now. But I didn't think about that. No, then. no. But you know what? I find really remarkable that even though you were in this crazy world, um, when you were with your children, you were an excellent, like your daughter, like your excellent dad when she was young. And then later on, and this was, uh, this is actually more a credit to, to Patricia as well. She let you have the kids 
and you were a fantastic dad then. So, I mean, that's a huge credit to you. The real hero here. She's a badass. I am really impressed with her. My God, seven months pregnant. She marches up to this guy who's holding you for ransom um, to the to the gates and says, here's all the list of my assets. Um, what? Man, she's a badass. And they loved her. Yeah, I bet. All of them. All of them had tremendous high respect for her. And she always used to, after the, my daughter was born, she told me, quit, 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 quit. And I never quit. You know, I never listened to her. They loved her. They had the highest respect for her. She is the true hero of this story. So brave. Amazing. She's a really brave woman. And she did it again later, didn't she? When when um you were in mm-hmm. when you were in jail, she started going around to like the scariest people on the planet and literally went around the globe she, asking them for support for you. Well, she went to <laughs> Colombia and she, she asked him, he says, Listen, she asked me to come because he's in a situation where if he cooperates, he may get out in 10 years. But he, if he doesn't need to cooperate because, you know, my life and my kid's life is at risk and there's a threat, he'll do 35, no problem. Mm-hmm. But he wants to hear that from you guys. You know, do you guys give him the okay to cooperate? Or if it's a no, it's a no, and then we understand. And, you know, he's made enough money, he'll sit in jail for 20 years. I mean, it is what it is. But he wants to be certain what the deal is, because if he has to sit in there for 20 years, he'll do it. But he wants to know that we're safe. He says, don't worry about it. This is done. We're all fried. You know, we're all probably going to end up where he's at. He worked with us for 25 years, made a lot of money to him just to save his ass. Whatever he's going to tell them, they already know about us anyway. And that's why she went back to Mexico and nothing happened to her. They kept their word. See, they Again, their word. Their word. Yeah. I'm telling you. It's fascinating. Um, I'm not saying it happens all the time. Sometimes they tell you yes, and then they they do the other thing. I'm not saying everybody is, you know, that correct. These guys were very correct in me. Now, I have a question about um, <laughs> how many times were you kidnapped? Twice. Well, three times. Three times. <laughs> once by the gorillas. Once I was because of... Uh, financial and a rumor dispute in 1992 and then uh, the crocodile situation. (laughs) The crocodile situation, which, I mean, guys, listen, this is for my listeners. If if for nothing else, like just... You, no, just get the book. You need to read this. You need to read Pure Narco. But there's a chapter called The Crocodile Thing that's just, <laughs> just, just sort of reading no, with your no, jaw no. open the whole time going, what? But no, I mean, this is a fellow mm-hmm. who has been kidnapped three times and three times has used um, incredible native intelligence and charm, I think. I think. And good luck. God, man, you have good luck. Um, <laughs> from, your, from your lips to God's ears. The... the the gorillas, they, in the end, they were asking for money. I said, listen, why don't we do this? You're going to make more money if we partner up. Why don't we just work together? What's this kidnapping bullshit? You know what? I'm a great guy. I live in the United States. I'm your U.S. connection. Kidnapping, that's a one-shot deal. I could, We could have future earnings. Yeah, future <laughs> earnings, buddy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then uh, the crocodile thing, I just got yanked. And one thing led to the other. It was, I, I didn't even have time to be scared. Mm-hmm. I was just so 
dialing that number, trying to get heat on the phone. I, I was freaking out. When I got back to the room, you know, before they put me in the car, they had yanked my hair. They had pulled hair. They had with an AK-47 here. I got back to the room. My wife goes, what the hell happened to you? What kind of tennis game? Did, what, what the hell? You look like shit. What kind of so tennis game were you in? Rough tennis game. Oh, my God. Yeah, crazy. I was one, one slip away from dying. Yeah, it sounds very much as if yeah, you were like, if that guy didn't pick up the phone. Situation. That that fella had to have picked up the oh, phone no, or else. No, 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 no. A phone call. Yeah. A phone call. A phone call at the last minute. If that guy would have been taking a shower and he would have called back after he said, I saw you call, I would have already been crocodile me. Oh, God. So crazy. You mentioned crazy, crazy. later that it's, maybe it was after you were you spent time in prison that you started to realize that there is a God and that God is caring, and caring for you. How fascinating. Is that something that just happened in prison, or is it something just because you had a lot of time to think, or what was that about? I've, already, I've always believed in God. I've always had my, my belief, my private belief in God. And uh, I carry my, you know, saying from my dad, and I believe there's something up there, and... Through all the years, I've realized that he's always been there when I've needed him. Okay? And that's, that's what makes you believe in him. When, when, when you're in situations, not only the crocodile thing, but other situations in life, I said, shit, this, this thing, dun, 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 and suddenly things get resolved. You realize that there's somebody out there looking at you, after you, and he's there when you need him. Mm-hmm. Not when you want him, you need him. Sometimes, like... Just he's there when you need him. And like, the worst thing that I thought could ever happen to me was going to jail. And he made it happen so that jail was probably one of the most mellowest things that ever happened to me. What, what I thought was going to be the worst thing in my life turned out to be a very mild, not pleasant, but doable thing. And I kept my sanity. I was able to keep my head, to negotiate to be able to think right, think at the right moment, do the right thing, keep busy exercising, playing the drums, reading, and time went by, and what I thought was going to be the worst thing, and that, that's why I know there is a God up there. And as long as he's there for you when, when you need him most, you know, it's like I've always said, you know, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had all that money at once, you know, because I was very reckless with money. And right now, you know, I look back and, you know, maybe if I would have had that much money, things would have been different. And I mean, in the end, you know, I I lost money, but I, I gained my freedom. I gained my family. I was going to say money's uh, money, I'm but you got your family. Up. Yeah, that's that's a gem. And that's. That's why you think, you know, you always got to give up something. And then, uh, in my case, you know, the money is, um, you know, money is insignificant. You know, it's uh, something that you can make today and lose tomorrow. But, you know, there's some things you can't um, get back. Yeah. I mean, so, my dad always told me things are things, money's money. But, you you know, you got honor, you got your family, you got God. These are the things he's always been, you know. 
No, I'm a firm believer in God. I do believe in God. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really I interesting. I've never read a book like this. I've never imagined an arc like this because you're a really good guy who is in some really dicey situations, you know, um, an honest, decent man in some somewhat indecent situations. It's a really wild story. Um, I don't know how you managed to keep so much integrity intact, but you did, and that's pretty wild and impressive. I think... I was a little too crazy, and I was a little immature, and I didn't stop and think of the consequences, and I was just taken by this adrenaline trip and this world I lived in, and I was reckless, and I was irresponsible, so I was good in some things. I I had my integrity. I was honest. I didn't lie, you know, but in other you know, things, I was just totally reckless and responsible and just took it to the limit. And uh, I think, uh, for, you know, I just, like you say, I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> oh, wait, I've got to ask you one more question because I've, I, I've, there's a format to the show and I ask everybody, so what do you do all day? Now, I need to ask you, during the height, during the um, absolute height of your uh, smuggling, was there an average day? Like, so what did you do all day? Make phone calls. <laughs> Just like my dad. Okay. <laughs> that's what I do today. And that's what I did back then. The only difference is in the 80s, they used to be from pay phones. In the 90s, I used to have seven or eight, ten uh, cell phones. All day I was on a phone. Today... All day, I'm on a phone, whether it's the construction business or the PPE business or interviews, the phone. What do I do all day? I'm on the phone all day. <laughs> you, get, you get tired of the phone? Oh, my God. Sometimes I feel like throwing this thing from a bridge. Well, look, I've had so much fun talking to you. You're a fascinating person. Um, I, your story is... Uh, it, I'm just... I think that you're... Um, you know, you've been a... You've just lived like 20 lives in one and, and, and somehow managed to be a great dad and honest, a person with integrity. And that's not an easy thing to do in those worlds. So, um, you know, it's really an honor to talk to you. And um, thank you so much for being on, on the podcast. Let me tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Talking to you has been so nice, so natural. And I think we've touched on really nice things. And I'm glad you're enjoying the book. Ah, thank you. Hope to be in Australia soon. Yeah, come see us. Fascinated. Fascinated. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. Bye. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 